Hey friends, you're listening to The Collective Podcast in partnership with Watermark Community Church. We're so glad you're here and we hope you enjoy today's episode as we highlight heroes of the faith. Friends, welcome to The Collective Podcast. I'm Callie Nixon, and today is really exciting. I am joined once again by my gorgeous co-host, Kendall Williams. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, girl. Glad you're here. And today we get a really, really sweet privilege of learning from our friend, Kim Duncan, which I feel like we should just add in some like like music for you because I'm so excited. And guys, if you don't know her, you have been incredibly blessed by her already because she is what makes this podcast tick. And I'm not going to steal your intro for you, but Kim Duncan, welcome to the Collective Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Kim, you're a huge part of our podcast. Ladies, for those of y'all that don't know, Kim is our project manager. I call her my boss, mi jefe. She like keeps everything <laughs> running. We're so, so grateful for her. And Kim, did you know that we're doing a season on Heroes? I did know that. Do you know what kind of hero you are to me today? I have since learned. Uh huh. You, Kim Duncan, are the hero behind the scenes. And this is such a perfect, perfect, perfect category for you because you do so much behind the scenes. You are the easiest choice. You're excellent at what you do. You've got a joyful heart to serve God's kingdom. And so I'm so glad you're here. And I want you to start off by telling the folks at home kind of how you got started professionally and what you've done and then now where you are today, which looks just a tiny bit different maybe from how you got started. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I kind of grew up knowing that I was your type A, disciplined, kind of organized and structured person. And so when it came to pick what I would do professionally, I really liked the idea of broadcast, but I didn't want to do the reporting side. So I landed myself into advertising, went to University of Missouri for journalism, and then out of that worked the dream job that I wanted, which was working at an ad agency in Dallas and worked for some big Fortune 500 companies. It was a lot of work, work hard, play hard. I worked at times like 60, 80 hours a week. Whoa. But some of that was because I had not the correct motivations in working as many hours as I did. Um, But around that time uh, was kind of reintroduced to my faith and kind of came back to the church setting And the Lord just sparked in my heart a desire to work in like the nonprofit and church space. And the Lord very clearly for a few years said, not now, not yet. Stay where you are, working where you are, investing in the relationships you have. Um, Around that same time, I started serving at the porch. And that's where I met my husband, Luke. He would say we met at a party before that. I don't agree with that. That's a story for another day. Or you just don't remember (laughs) because he wasn't that memorable. He was dating somebody else. Oh, there we go. So he said I was super cold hearted and wouldn't have a conversation with him. But it's because he was dating somebody else. You were dating someone. He's honest. He's an honest man. (laughs) Yeah, he he is. Uh, But nevertheless, the porch is kind of where we hit it off. And at that time, I also came to work at Watermark. A job came up that was with someone I'd worked with before and it fit exactly my wiring. I did a lot of what I did before in advertising, but now for the church, and it just felt like the perfect job opportunity in a timing only the Lord could wire. Because like I said, I had wanted to do that um, for a few years when the Lord had said no. That's cool. So worked at Watermark on the communications team for a couple years, met 
Luke, married Luke a year later, and we had Georgia in 2019 and both decided that I would be a stay-at-home mom. That wasn't like him saying, you must. I mean, that was truly, I felt the Lord's calling upon my heart to be a stay-at-home mom. I was fully at home for two and a half years. We then had Millie in 2021, and she's now 10 months old. And then uh, just this spring, so kind of in January, shout out to Callie for connecting me with an opportunity to work for a land development company. And I do some client relation work, some marketing work for them. And it's just honestly the Lord's timing because there were some part-time opportunities that had come and gone, and it just never made sense for us and our family. And this is the perfect opportunity to use some of my strengths and my wirings, but also the capacity I have in the margins of my day. It's so perfect. He still owes me dinner, by the way, because <laughs> he... I told him he was asking for some names and I'm like, I can give you some names, but like, this is the person you're going to hire. And he came back and was like, you were right. And I'm like, I know I was right. So it's so fun (laughs) that you guys are working together. And then from a serving capacity, like you said, I serve as project management of the of the collective podcast. And then Luke and I also periodically lead a table at Merge, the premarital ministry here. And that is a ton of fun. That's awesome. I love it. So now we would say what I think is interesting about your story is you you are the hero for behind the scenes, but there's a lot of work you've done that is very upfront and I'm going to call it a big deal. I know you don't love that, but (laughs) I think it's really cool. And I think it's a good ground to lay for the beginning of this podcast is that all of us are going to be behind the scenes in some way, shape or form. And all of us at some point may get a chance to do something that feels a little more upfront. And so I think it's interesting. And as I dive in, I kind of want to note, there's been a shift in, in the last few generations where Uh, We kind of joke people used to want to be doctors and lawyers. And now in this realm of social media and the realm of where you can look at someone, you know, start a channel and get a million followers in less than a month, where we now want to do things, even if some people with a good heart still for the Lord, we want to do things that are large and upfront. And we forget that in God's kingdom, to be greatest is to be the least, to be first is to be the last. And so... That really is what I want to recognize in you. And I love how you you could be doing anything right now. But what you've chosen to do is love your husband well, raise your babies well, and you've got time to work on the side, but a lot of what you're doing goes unseen. And so why is it so important to be comfortable being behind the scenes? Well, I love that question. And I love that we're starting here because there might be seasons in your life or maybe your entire life where you work behind the scenes. I think that's just the reality for a lot of us. And I love that you also mentioned social media because a blogger I follow recently kind of hit the nail on the head and she talked about, you know, how a lot of people think it's so cool to be a blogger. That must be such a glamorous life. And she talked about reels that you see on Instagram you might consume in one or two minutes can take her four to six hours to complete. And that can feel like a huge time suck and a waste of time and what am I doing and feel really unseen and, and that it doesn't matter. And I feel like in those moments, if we lean into that insecurity, it can drive a wedge between us and God. And that is why, to me, this topic matters so much. A quote I love by Elizabeth Elliot is, faith's most severe tests come not when we see nothing, but when we see a stunning array of evidence that seems to prove our faith vain. So in other words, in the moments when I'm folding laundry for like the third time in the week, or you know, in the past, professionally, when I was printing copies for a meeting Mm -hmm. in which I made sure there was coffee and I'm going to be taking notes, but not like a lead star player in it. It can feel like, what is my purpose here? This is a huge waste of my time. And I think God will use those moments to grow us the most, or at least he for sure has for me in my life. So Kim, 
there always comes a point where your giftings are rubbing against your humanity. Like this matter of fact, serving is not a personality type. Um, so for you, when you are met with that tension and wrestling with um, the reality of being behind the scenes, um, how have you dealt with that tension? Yeah, so there's been a ton of tension in different points of my life, but a few kind of come to the surface. And I think it starts with, again, my personality that I kind of alluded to, and that's being driven and detail-oriented. I'm naturally more type A and structured, very disciplined. Um, I love rules and boundaries, which is just not a super like life of the party kind of person always. <laughs> <laughs> like you're not like, oh my gosh, we should invite her over. <laughs> I would invite you over often. <laughs> I appreciate too. that. Um, but a song I love that kind of you know, spoke to me is by the high women. It's called Old Soul and a verse in the song is, I'll be the first to toast and throw confetti to break the champagne bottle with a sword. But when the party's over, I'll be ready to sweep the floor. And when I first Everybody heard that, needs a like that. <laughs> and when I first heard that song, I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. Because I love parties. I mean, I'm a pretty extroverted person. But sometimes I find myself naturally just picking up at parties without even realizing I'm doing it because that's mm. just kind of who I am and how I'm wired. And I think that goes into the first area I've struggled, which is my identity and who I am and who I'm not. And I think that started at a young age because in the advertising world, you are either the business person or you are the creative person. And especially in the world I was in, it was important to be only one or yeah. the other. And the person who comes up with the tagline that ends up on national television was never going to be me. And that's the person who typically, you know their name, at least in the world I was in, they get the accolades and the awards. And I'm just you know, I had struggled with not being that person. And I think also even now as a mom, I can feel the comparison of like, oh, I wish I was the fun mom. And these ideas would just pop in my head about cool ways to, you know, do crafts with my kids. And I think Psalm 139.14, I've memorized recently, and it's, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I love that verse because it's so important to praise God for who I am and God will use me. Mm. And it's okay, like going back to the fun mom, it's okay if I come up with those ideas for my family by listening to other people and following other women who have gone before me and come up with those ideas. It's okay that they don't magically pop in my head. Totally. I can be thankful for who God has created me to be. Um, another area that I've struggled is in perfectionism. And it's kind of like a double-edged sword because a lot of the roles that I find myself in do hinge a little bit on being mm -hmm. perfect in a way. I am the person who makes sure the balls don't drop. I am the person who makes sure there is not error in the emails. And I have been in worlds before where if you make a slight error, it is a big issue. Mm -hmm. And so that I think just has kind of built up this wall of desiring perfectionism at all times. But a friend asked me a question once that really has kind of, it was kind of a juncture in my life about perfectionism. And it was my friend Megan Daly and she asked, do you think that Jesus was sinless or perfect? And it's kind of like an odd question, but think about sinless. We know that he was from scripture. But do you think in the 30 years that he or so, 30 or so years, was becoming an apprentice to be a carpenter that he made a wobbly table? Hmm. Or do you think that if he were here today and he shot baskets, that he would miss a free throw? And I don't think we have any reason to believe from scripture that he in human form might not have made errors. Hmm. And that might not matter to a lot of people, but for me, it gives me so much peace to know that God doesn't expect perfection from me. And frankly, a lot of the people around me don't. It's expectations I place on myself. That's good. And then kind of the last area that came to mind for you know ways I've struggled is in what I do and how I communicate what I do, am I trying to be just helpful and informative or am I trying to toe the line of being impressive? 
And I have to ask myself that litmus test often. Because when you're behind the scenes, I think there, there can be a lot of times where people don't know what you do. And especially now as a stay-at-home mom, Luke doesn't see what I do all day. Even my boss doesn't necessarily see what I do all day. And so I think there's appropriate times to share with people what you have going on and to appropriately talk about what you've been up to. But there are times where that oversharing or the way in which I share it can be just for feeling impressive. Mm. An example of that can be I can outdiscipline people pretty easily, which is kind of like a silly thing to say. But like if you were to ask me how my day was going or what I'd been up to, I could share that I woke up at 530 and then mm. I ran five miles mm. and then I had coffee and breakfast and a long, quiet time and then got ready all before my kids woke up. And that could sound impressive. And you might say, I'm going to confess, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm <laughs> also very much impressed. I that that's what you're going for and we shouldn't. But man, I literally this morning was begging God to make me more disciplined. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, but that's kind of like my exact point. I mean, I could say those things and I could feel good about it in the moment. I could feel good when you likely tell me, oh, that's really cool that you did all those things. But I know now as I pursue spiritual maturity that restraint for me is the act of obedience right and so in what i say and how i share it especially now you know as a stay-at-home mom and being someone who does a a lot of unseen things it's important for me to be really thoughtful in what i share and how i share it and is going one step further is restraint an act of obedience and as well is for you is choosing to sleep in every once in a while is that obedience to you ever or is like or let wherever you would find yourself clinching is letting go ever a part that is something you do oh yeah for sure I mean I think there can be times where Luke along with the Lord the Lord speaking through him and my community group have have said you need to rest you need to find ways to let go and that can totally be the case of releasing some of that discipline in order to have a balanced view of it that is so awesome I love interviewing people who are the polar opposite of me. (laughs) I learn learn so much because I think in the same way I'm learning because I love and value and prize and am naturally joyful. Mm -hmm. I'm learning that to encounter sorrow and sadness is a discipline for me. And I think it's so fascinating the ways that we're wired. And that's why we have, that's why you're my friend. That's why we have friends that help us see into other sides of, our, of the coin of how God made us, which I just, it makes me love God more. Okay. What are some of the practical ways that you keep kind of keeping the Lord first? You're on mission for the Lord, not for man. Like what you just said, you fight those feelings of being impressive. And so how do you do that? Even when other people aren't seeing you or praising you for everything that you do? Has there ever been a time where you were kind of in a situation and you were hurt by being unnoticed or frustrated by it? Yeah, I think it starts with assessing our heart. And this is kind of like a Christianese phrase, but like our heart posture, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense, and and kind of where we are with the Lord in it. So if work is an opportunity to honor the Lord, are we doing that with what we do, no matter how monotonous or behind the scenes it may feel? Or do you frequently feel like what you are doing is unfair, or you are constantly being passed over? That could be true. There could be women who are listening who truly do not get what is owed to them. But I think a lot of the time it might be a red flag if that's constantly how you feel, that there's pridefulness you got to deal with. It's really good. And that has been the case for me at times. I think asking the Lord where your heart is is important. And then also how you view your work if you believe it's a calling. If you're in an intimate relationship with Jesus, then everything you do 
is a calling. Now, you might have multiple calls on your life at one time, and there might be seasons where those levers get pulled and pushed, mm-hmm. that certain callings come to the forefront than others. Like for me right now, it's being a stay-at-home mom. Um, Ephesians 2.10, I love here. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So if you view the work you're doing as a calling, then no matter what that work is, it's important to view it as God-ordained yeah. and that God will work through it. Uh, another kind of practical way, I think, is that connection matters, and I've missed this mark so many times and have had to really work on improving in this area because God's kingdom is a kingdom of people, not of tasks. And I, I can really easily forget that feeling like it's inefficient to pick my head up and look at other people, um, especially in the moments of feeling the most unseen. I think that can happen because we, or at least I, have isolated myself in work and forgot about people. Hmm. And it's just really easy to um, not go around and affirm other people or encourage other people or ask them how their day is going. I mean, really simple things like that, I think, can shift our heart from feeling so unseen and unnoticed and not mattering to remembering that people matter and and affirming other people can help, I think, kind of counteract feeling that way too. Um, And then the last thing is just to to bring in other people and find encouragement from them. Community is so big around here, and that's been pivotal for me in my life. When I think about an example, I participated for a few years in a number of mission trips to Ethiopia, and I led small groups. So that's like three or four people that I and another guy were over, and then there was like a larger team of maybe 20 to 30. And I led those for a few years, and then one year came about where I thought it was going to be my turn to lead the entire trip, and I wasn't asked to. And I felt like it was unfair. I felt like I had worked hard to show that I was qualified to do that. And I talked to a friend who I knew. She was a friend, but she was also kind of on the inside connection of those decisions being made. And she kind of shared with me why that person had been asked. They were they had led before, why they were leading again, and how she like kind of frankly didn't think I was ready. And that was super hard to hear. Hmm. And the Lord just really impressed on me, Lamentations 324. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. I will wait for him. And not only is the Lord my portion and he is enough, but a lot of the time the answer is wait. Mm. It's not mm-hmm. it's not your time yet. Your time will come in a way that you might not have even expected. And that that's a really important lesson that I keep having to learn myself. Oh my gosh. And it's all throughout scripture. I mean, I think of Joseph and being in prison for two years after he was sold into slavery by his brothers. Like we go really quickly to when he's second in command to Pharaoh and we forget just the hardship that he went through. I think that is so powerful to think so many times when we're asking the Lord for a yes or no, the answer is him having us wait. Mm -hmm. And is there any other place in scripture that you go to or stories that have blessed you as you've kind of walked along this road as you're reminding yourself, hey, God sees me? Yeah. So I think the first is Hannah and her just deep desire to have a child. I know that is like quite literally relatable to many women who may be listening. And that comes from 1 Samuel. She prayed for so long and the Lord said, not yet or wait or no. And so much so that one day in the temple, she was in so much anguish that the priest thought she was drunk. And the Lord did ultimately bless her with a child. And she was so thankful to the Lord for that. And it just reminds us that God sees our circumstances. He sees in the moments when we feel unseen. And then I also love the Proverbs 31 woman. And I think when we look at all the things listed out that are the tasks that she was doing, some of those to me feel really monotonous and kind of boring, frankly, or actually they sound a lot like some of the things I do throughout my day. Like she provides food for her family. She makes coverings for her bed. Like those don't sound like 
glamorous, exciting things. And yet I think God put that in there in part to show us that those are important and valued. And then we do see that she is to be praised. She is to be blessed. She's honored by those around her. And so I just so truly feel that God will honor and favor the things that we do, especially as a mom, the things that are unseen. And even professionally, the times we feel like what we're doing is unimportant. I love that you get to talk about this, Kim, and just being able to watch your life. And I just know there's so many women in my life um, that as they're listening to this, I hope that they're nourished because I know that they're not alone. And I know for me, there's different seasons where I'm even like, hey, God, I'm being unfaithful because I'm not using all my gifts or I'm being disobedient to you because I'm not using all my gifts. And they're starting to grasp for things that God's not asking them to. So Mm. how would you encourage women who are going through maybe a different season and feel like God's either ripping them off or don't see them because they're not living in what God has wired them to do? Um, And how um, has that looked differently in different seasons for you? And how would you encourage women that don't feel seen right now? Yeah, so I think there are a lot of like transitions in my life that I can think about, but to kind of come to a head in the first is kind of when I came back to my faith as an adult. And started coming to church and started wanting to participate in things and no one knew who I was. I was kind of like a consumer at that time. Now juxtapose that with at work, I had I felt like kind of made a name for myself. I had done a lot of things so people knew that I was dependable. They might have called on me if like a certain project came up. And that was totally not the case in the church setting that I was newly in. And I just raised my hand in some really small ways because those were where they needed help. Um, and then The biggest, most recent one is being a stay-at-home mom. And I think that transition revealed like a lot of identity issues I had in being a professional and how much I desired that as a part of who I was. I thought that going from advertising to working in the church world that I had kind of released a lot of those identities or those identity issues, but then being a stay-at-home mom revealed even all raised to the surface. Oh my gosh, so much more work that I had to do. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I had decided to become a stay-at-home mom. And I think a month or two later, I got a call from one of my previous bosses. And she said, Kim, part-time option has come up. And, oh my gosh, you were the first person we thought of. Like, you have to take this. We would love for you to be on this team. I think you'd be an amazing ad, a value ad. And I felt great about hearing that. I mean, that was a super encouraging thing to hear. But I knew, and then Luke and I both knew, that our family what was best for our family was still for me to fully be at home. And calling her back and saying that felt like an absolute door being closed. And it felt really heavy because it felt like these lies in my head that started saying, you're not going to matter anymore. No one cares. And you know what? The next month, I didn't get a call again. And that was no one's fault. That was truly because I had said I'm not available. Like I was not going to be called again. And that was so appropriate for the Lord to just continue softening my heart that what I'm doing at home is just as important. It is not more or less important. No, it's so important. I feel like, I don't want to jump in. I I feel like I want to tell women that all the time who are moms of young kids. Like what you are doing right now is holy. And if anybody needs to hear that today, even like Kendall said, even if your gifts are in a phase of life where they're lying dormant, you are not being disobedient. You are being faithful. The work you are doing is holy because you're laying a foundation for these babies that I'm seeing even now with an almost 12-year-old that because of the time that I have put into her life, she's trusting me. Now, is that to say that for a mom who went straight back to work that she can't build that? No, absolutely not. But I think God uses those seasons of our life for a purpose. We just have to trust even if we don't see it. 
Oh, completely. And I think that goes like into the first piece of encouragement I'd share, which is like, take your thoughts captive. Yeah. And I have done a poor job of that, especially as it relates to being at home because I'm by myself a lot with small children. And even though, you know, there were times I think professionally I did this too, but don't believe the lie that your time is unimportant and that it doesn't matter. I, I memorized, I think it's 2 Corinthians 10.5, take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. It's kind of the second half of that verse. And um, I got this from my mom, actually. There are sometimes these thoughts in my head, these negative patterns I think about myself and lies that I say, get behind me, Satan. And sometimes I even say it out loud, which may, may, may sound a little crazy. But no, say it. <laughs> say it out loud. Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> Directly from what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 23. Because those lies, if I give them breeding ground, will just create this narrative in my head and, and even like a victim mentality that I don't matter and that what I'm doing isn't important. And that's just not true. Good. And then the next one is just trust in the fruit that is to come, even if it doesn't feel seen or known or you don't know what the fruit is itself. John fifteen five says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If I am in you and you are in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, me you can do nothing. I love, love, love that verse. I memorize that verse because I've had to repeat it to myself a lot. I think about um, a girl that I mentored for about seven years and I kind of felt like I poured out my time, my energy, my emotions, trying to make an impact on her life. Not for myself at all, but just so that she might know Jesus. And I, I look back on that time and still struggle with feeling like it was a huge waste. I mean, there were nights where I would go to my community group crying, saying like, did I not say the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? I just don't know what the point is of this. And the reality is I'm not entitled this side of heaven to ever know. Mm. Like we know from God's word and this verse specifically that there is fruit that will come from the time that we put in. But how God honors that, we may never see. Sometimes we do, and that is an incredible blessing. But what impact I may or may not have had on her life in that time, I just have to trust in the Lord. And that that has to be enough. And I think what I love about that is the fruit that's always promised is God is constantly working in our hearts. The fruit of pouring into another isn't always for them to come to know Jesus, but he is always going to produce a fruit in us of either dependence, of allowing us to go to the Lord with our griefs or whatever it is. So I love that you said that. And we're also in a generation where we've made faithfulness the end. Like there's something at the end of that that really is our desire. And it can be, hey, if I'm faithful during this season, then my boss will notice me. If I'm faithful in this season, then my um, kid who is rebellious will ultimately be obedient. And we make it about all these other things and we forget that the end is God himself. And so um, for the women who are battling the idea of being faithful, successful, useful, or even what I'm seeing is um, they constantly want to make the most out of everything. Like I want to make the most out of my time. I want to make the most out of it instead of just resting sometimes. So for the women that are, um, nursing at home and they're alone and they're up at weird hours and they just feel tired, how would you give them a framework or a lens to encourage them to think um, in a biblical way about serving behind the scenes? Yeah, I love this question. And this is just very clear to not give up. Galatians 6, 9 to me just, I mean, it couldn't say it more clearly. Do not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And I think we say this a lot to young moms. I say this to myself as a mom of young kids to just stay in the game. Don't give up. God says that we will reap a harvest in time. And that kind of leads to the next one, which is God will show you favor, but I think he will do it in his time and in his way. And it might not look like what you planned for. 
I love Psalm 27, 13. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So like I said earlier with the girl I mentored, I might not see the fruit of that in this lifetime. I might not see this side of heaven, what the you know point of that was from a kingdom perspective. But I do believe that we will see God's favor by doing the hard work and staying in the game. And that might just be when my toddler randomly comes up to me and says, I love you and gives me a hug. Or it might be that you guys called me to be on this podcast and I just have to trust the Lord that he was in that. And there might not be big ways in your entire life that you find the favor you you seek. But I believe that God will show us favor in some way, this side of heaven. And then the last one is my favorite verse, I guess kind of maybe my life verse, if that's to be what you call it, and that's Habakkuk 1.5. Look at the nations and watch, be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days you would not believe, even if you were told. And for some context, um, the nations are coming upon Habakkuk, and he's like, what are they what are they doing here? God, do you even see? Do you care what's going to happen? And God is just saying, believe in me. Trust me. I have a plan for you. You just have to trust me that it's going to happen. And I think there have been times in my life where I can look back and see series of events that wouldn't have made sense even if you had told me. And times when I just wanted a roadmap so bad of what was going to come next. And I and I wouldn't. it would have been craziness had you shared with me what was then going to happen. And I think the Lord just says, wait and be patient. I think a lot about an analogy that JP shared of a marching band. And when you look out at eye level, the marching band looks like chaos, like they're all about to run into each other. But when you look up from a bird's eye view, it makes sense. It's beautiful. Sometimes it's uh, they're, sing- they're playing a song or they're making a shape or something like that. And I mean, that's so true of our lives. That's so true of my life. If I just let God take control, that even in the most mundane and unseen moments, he has a plan and he's in control. Amen. He's the God who sees you when no one else does. And he's the God who knows you intimately, wants to be your friend. And I think we all, we just need reminders. You know, everything you're saying today, I'm just like, oh yeah, 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 that's true. And I'm I'm just thankful for you, Kim, because I feel like if anything, what my prayer for somebody today is that they would hear your wisdom and the scripture that just flows out of your mouth and just go, man, I am, I may not be here but I am known, seen, and deeply loved by the only one whose opinion of me actually matters. Mm -hmm. And so, man, if that's you and you're fighting that today, just know we love you and we're right there with you fighting. But that's all the time we got for today, Kim. Thank you. That was a wealth of blessing and wisdom. Ladies, we love you. You know where you can go to learn more about The Collective. Visit us at watermark.org slash collective. Follow us on Instagram at watermark underscore collective. Man, If ever I meant it, I really mean it today. Share this podcast with someone who needs to hear this today because we all struggle uh, with wanting to be seen and wanting to be impressive, but we don't have to be. We love you. Email us at collective at watermark.org if there's any way we can serve you and we will see you next time on The Collective Podcast.